we're really, really happy to announce that um, that we are just signed a an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it, and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to. Uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully, we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know. We're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you. And uh, thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> Silly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey and I'm with my best bud, Tony. What's up, Tony? What's going on, homie? Dude, I am so stoked about today's uh podcast yeah you know it's uh you know it's a podcast that we've been talking about for a while yeah and uh you know you gotta at least you got the opportunity to to meet this great man mm-hmm. uh i kind of missed it that weekend uh so uh you know by you know talking so far this morning you know to me i can see where you're coming from how great of a guy this guy is yeah i can't i can't wait to get into it so um today uh we're talking to donald conley uh donald conley also known as dc um is a really, really super special guy. I mean, I, I, I think this podcast is going to be a lot of fun, um, but I also think that, um, that, that you're going to learn how special this guy is because he, uh, he uh, I mean, just a little bit of a backstory. He, uh, he has a barbershop in, 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 in Compton, L.A., and, and honestly, I mean, the only thing I know about Compton is from music, bands, or from the movies. N.W.A. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I first heard about. <laughs> exactly. There was no Compton before N.W.A. as far as we are concerned. So, um, so I'm I'm really interested in getting into a story. Oh, and and let's not let's also you know he's a barber, and you know we we, we definitely uh, made a commitment to uh, to, uh, to to interview and to talk to I hate that word interview, but to uh, but to podcast with yeah, to uh, connect with more barbers with, in the with industry. more barbers exactly. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, again, uh, Donald uh, Conley is just a really really special dude. I can't wait to get into his story, and we actually heard about him uh, through Schedulicity because. Um, Schedulicity actually put up a video when they awarded him. He was the first barber to win their five thousand um, uh, dollars, five thousand dollar a month club, whatever. Schedulicity yeah, cares. cares exactly. Right. Schedulicity cares. So you know, we first learned about him um, again from this video that they put up, and and when they, I don't know how they did it, but they had news coverage of of. Of, of Donald winning is well, Donald. Uh, he'll tell us. He'll tell us. He'll yeah. tell us enough about you and me. <laughs> <laughs> let's let, let, let's get into his story because he's way more interesting than uh, than us two old. And he'll tell the story a lot better than Mark <laughs> will tell it too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so uh, Mr. Donald Conley, DC, welcome to your day off. Corey, thank you, man. That was a 
awful introduction. <laughs> Touché. Touché. <laughs> That's awesome. So, dude, man, at least he got your name right. Yeah, you know he gets that wrong. Yeah, we, he, he stuttered for like two seconds, but you know, I probably stuttered a few times here too. So I won't hold it against it, man. I, it, it was that cool Donald. Con, uh, wait, Thank you guys. I appreciate you guys. Your, your, your day off. I appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you so much. No, dude, really. Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving us the time and thanks for getting up early for us. Cause I know, uh, you know, you're three hours earlier than us. Oh man, I don't sleep, man. I'm up and I, you know, I do a lot of couple different things before I even have to get here. So yeah, I was up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we know you're in Compton now, but where did you grow up? Born and raised in Compton. Yeah. Born and raised in Compton. My mom, we actually still live in the same house that I was born and raised in. Uh, my mom, hell, was able to hold on to that. My mom's a single, single family home. My, my pops was independent, pretty much independent. Penitentiary for those that don't understand. <laughs> my father was in the prison system pretty much all my life. Uh, but my mom raised us. I mean, I've never, well, by choice, I've lived in my own apartments or whatever, but my mom has always held on to her home ever since I was, since I, I the home I came home to and I've been there all my life. I, my mom has Alzheimer's. I take care of her uh, full time as well as some of the stuff that I do. And uh, yeah, uh, so we're still in the same home and uh, yeah, born and raised in Compton, like DJ Quick said. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I got so many questions and, and some of them are about DC and some of them are about Compton and so many of them, some of them are about barbering and some of them are about what he's up to, but I, I just, I don't even know where to go with this, but Donald kind of explain to me at least like, you know, Tony and I kind of grew up on the East coast and like, like I was always, I guess like again from the yeah, from NWA or for whatever, like, like they seem like nice neighborhoods, you know, that just have that are, oh, you know, like, like, yeah, no, man, Compton, listen, okay, I'm gonna go while we're here, yeah. while I got you guys here, I'm gonna take you on a virtual tour of my shop here, okay, you guys can see some of the stuff in the shop. Now, yeah, yeah. these are all pictures of old school Compton. Oh my god, um. Yeah. Like this, this is the housing project now. Now, if you look, this was built in 1946. But I mean, these are the streets of Compton. Now, if you saw that project right now, you'd be like, whoa. Now, I'm going to show you another interesting. This is Compton College. This was the brochure for Compton College. These are the, oh, these are the streets of Compton. This is the flat, first African American barbershop in Compton. Compton was also known for bootlegging. A lot of a lot of stuff that happened a lot of history, prior yeah. to NWA, you know, that is huge in the city. But um, what started off as a hub, they call it the hub city because we are right directly in the middle of pretty much every major city: Los Angeles, Long Beach, um, Torrance. We're we're the hub of everything. Everything is fifteen minutes. We're fifteen minutes away from the beach. So everything is virtually close. Um, but of course, you know, the 80s came in, crack came in, it's a small city. Being a hub, it was able to make a lot of money. I, I mean, I know a lot of guys that made a lot of money in that era. And I know a lot of people that lost their lives and lost their sanity, lost their freedom, all because of that era. Um, NWA gave the rest of the world a good depiction of what was going on in that time. But, you know, there was like, 
there, there was like in the opinion of a lot of people, there was no pre and WA kind of like what you guys say, but that's like, you know, it's, you know, negative gets the bigger spin than positive anytime. Yeah. So, you know, we don't talk about the, the, you know, the families that were raised here and everything else that, you know, that's going on. We just talk about things that are, um, you know, sensationalized and whatnot. And they, they actually gave the world a view of it. That was pretty concise. But uh, at the same time, there was a pre hey, hey, dining before that. DC, can you do me a favor? Like, can you, um, when we actually release this podcast, can you post those pictures of, that you have on the wall? Yeah. So people can kind of follow along and what you're talking about. Because it, 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 the pictures are pretty remarkable. It's not what NWA painted, right? It, it's just like a, no. a normal community in a normal kind of area. Yeah, anytime I bring somebody from outside to the city, especially like my neighborhood, and don't get it wrong, like we did some stuff back in the days that, you know, were deplorable. They were, you know, things that were just, you know, unconscionable, but it was survival at the time, you know. Um, but now you come to my neighborhood now, it's like we are the old people. You know, whereas <laughs> we, were, we are like, you know, my neighborhood is quiet. You know, we of course we still got, you know, our you know, our one or two crackheads that, you know, do crackhead shit. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're typically my friends and people that I've unfortunately seen go through the uh, trials and errors of having that type of uh, experience. So, you know, they, I mean, they're still human beings to me, still people that I, I have a, a, a multitude of respect for. They just made different choices than me. Did, um... <laughs> Would you would you say that Compton's cleaned up since since you know the the Compton that we that we heard heard about? Here's the truth of the matter: like game banging is never going to die, but it's it's evolved mm-hmm. to a certain extent where it, it a lot of it has gone back to the core value. The core value of game banging was survival. People don't realize that. I mean, we had you know just to keep it a buck with you guys. It was like Compton was we had Bellflower. Bellflower, Paramount, and all these areas that were predominantly Caucasian that didn't at this time, at that time back in the day, didn't necessarily want people that look like me in their areas. So what ended up happening is they had gangs, quote unquote, the spook hunters that, you know, was a derogatory gang against black young men. And those gangs would go out from Paramount, from Westminster, and they'd beat up young black men. So then the black gangs, I mean, the, the, the black men banded together, and that's when black gangs were involved. And so that's what a lot of people don't realize about the history. Like, gangbanger didn't start because it was like three brothers like Tookie and Raymond Washington that just wanted to just start a clique. This was actually, it was actually hashed out of survival. And, you know, that's what it really is. And so it, it's not something that I think, you know, people you know, expect it to go as terribly awry as it did. Sure. You know, it was just typically survival. And then, you know, then when you bring in the culture of, you know, a lot of big money with crack and just different things like that, guns going to bring violence. You know, people people weren't, you know, it was, just, it, was, it was just survival. And a lot of people made some bad choices, you know, off of just the direction and the, the things that they were, you know, seeing, you know. And that's just the truth of it all. How did you avoid it, man? I didn't really. I didn't really avoid it. Uh, I was, um, yeah, I, I didn't really avoid it. I was actually kind of like, you know, <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was, I was, I was, I uh, was, so I mean, I mean, we, I guess if we got to just get terribly candid, like, like I'm probably going to lose some jobs. People are like, oh, well, be in their place. but there was a part, there was a, there was a side to me that, uh, 
you know, that I, I'm not really necessarily proud of. But, uh, yeah, you know, I was at 13 years old. I was introduced to my first, you know, bag of crack for sale. And uh, I started selling, you know, I didn't go in selling, you know, nickel bags of brown weed. I went in selling crack cocaine because that was what was available to me. And uh, I was a young guy making, you know, pretty decent money early on. But I had no structure. I had no nobody behind me. I had to hide it from my mama. Sure. You know, I can't, I can't, I just wanted to hide this money from my mama. So I can't say, yo, mama, I'm making this money. What do I do with it? You know what I mean? And then my dad wasn't around. So it's kind of like, you know, what direction, you know, my homeboys, all I'm seeing them doing is buying low riders and, you know, and doing the stuff that that's, you know, in front of us, but, you know, not nobody's ever really talking about building generational wealth or, 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 you know, building a foundation upon how to, you know, you know, exit out of this life. It was just like day to day. And, you know, so at 13 years old, with no structure and no, no guidance. All I did was just think about money, just make money, make money, make money. Right. And fortunately enough, I never caught a case as a youngster. Uh, what I ended up doing is uh, getting caught at 15 years old by my, coming in my house uh, with crack for sale. And my mother caught me mm. and it broke her heart. And just at that time, my dad had paroled. And I remember she Call your dad. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Who? You know, by this time I'm I'm by this time I'm literally, you know, I ain't telling on nobody, but literally we was almost on the same line. Right. You know, we was doing the same things, you know. Like, what are you gonna do? So now I remember he came to my house and was giving me this old big lecture and I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, and then uh to be perfectly honest, they took me to Compton, took me to Compton police station, they tried to scare straight me. They put me in a cell with this big old deputy. He was like, you know, I can kick your ass. Right? He took me in the back. They took me all the way in the back. <laughs> just me and him in this whole tank. Just me and him in this whole tank, right? And they had me handcuffed to the uh, to to something metal, right? And like bench. I think it was a bench. And it wasn't no bed in there. It was just a holding tank. And he says, uh, holding cell being, you know, where they take you before they process you. Um, and I'm sitting there and I got these cuffs on. I'm scared shitless. I'm not going to lie. Then the guy walks in and he's like, you know, I could beat the hell out of you right now and would nobody be able to do nothing. Something, me being a smart guy, was like, you can't do shit. And that's when they kind of like, so the scare, the scare is straight. Wait, wait a second, you actually said that to him? No, I didn't say nothing. I just, I, no, I, no, I didn't be honest. I didn't say a damn thing to him. I didn't say a damn thing to him. No, I didn't say that. I think I actually probably cried. But I was just, you know, I, I actually was just, I knew that, Physically, you know, that was that's when it was the child abuse things was going on. And I had, yeah, it, it, I knew he couldn't touch me, you know what I mean? But again, I still wanted to get out of there. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Oh, man. So how did you- So that's, that's, that, so yeah, that's, so I didn't really avoid it. And so in my neighborhood, we kind of, so my neighborhood, we started off as Crips. And then around 13 years old, they was like, yo, we ain't go, we, we, we had ties to Pyru games because my neighborhood was doing a lot of things not outside of the city too and so they just said you know we're not gonna we're not gonna wave a flag per se meaning a game banging flag we just go make a lot of money and that's kind of like so like my heroes like guys like you might see like freeway ricky and stuff like that people like you know freeway i was just ricky about to ask you that i was just i just showed i just showed tony my note like um i was like because like rick ross is, is uh he he's compton right no he's uh he's la but that's like uncle ricky that's my that's my guy yeah he taught me, I mean, I want to say he taught me a lot because that might be indicative of some other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 been a, 
He's been a great mentor. He's been a great mentor. And uh, him, he and my dad actually did a small bit of time together. And uh, when we, we, we actually started doing more networking on the, in the, in the hair industry, when we started doing with, with exotics, the first hair battle tour that we brought to LA, um, I reached out to him cause he was kind of getting into the hair industry and I reached out to him and I said, yo, um, I would love to have you at my event. You know, you're a legend and people, you know, I think it will be great for you. So he came out to the event, you know, we rolled out the carpet for him. He, you know, he, it, it just kind of like, I think it gave him an understanding of just how much of an urban legend he was. And, uh, he's been ever since that point, he's literally done tours and barbershops all over the country and book signings and whatnot. So how did you get yeah. into the industry then? Oh, well, so I had been cutting hair ever since I was a kid, too. That was my other hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoyed cutting hair. Well, my mom used to cut my hair and used to mess it up. Her dad was a barber, <laughs> so she thought she had a license. She did. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? DC's so, uh, an advocate for uh, licensing the, uh, the profession. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm also I'm also an advocate of telling moms, single moms especially, take your son to the barbershop. Take him to the barbershop, please. Don't cut your own son, your son's own hair, because you you. Dude, I got pics of of me as a kid because I was a you know I had a single mom as well, man. Dude, I look. I, I look, at, look, you still traumatized. Oh I, God, see it. I, I see it in your eyes. <laughs> I said, mom. I said, look at that, mom. I said, you didn't think nothing was wrong with that. You know, it's because everybody Yo, Corey, was wearing look, it. Look, look give, Corey, give your man a hug. Give a hug, bro. Like, real talk. I, I I see it in your eyes, Corey. You know, it's one of those things you just don't get over, man. Like, no. Hey, hey, hey DC, I'm hurt, too, because I've seen those pictures. <laughs> Listen, man, I I tell I tell parents when I go around doing classes for Anderson and whatnot, I tell moms, I say, listen, you know, I know I understand you're in cosmetology school and everything, but look, do yourself a favor. Take your son to the barbershop. Ask the barber if you can watch because you're there, but never cut your son's hair. <laughs> never, never cut his hair. Let, let, him, let him go to a barber. Establish a relationship with a barber. Uh, Dude, that's just a whole other dynamic. Oh, man. I know we're getting this story next week with Nina, but yeah, because, you know, imagine this. You got Nina? You got Nina who? Nina Kovner? Uh, no. Tulio. Tulio. Next. Oh, Tulio. Okay. Both great people. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. Nah. Uh, it's not even my story. It's your story. I'm not even getting into it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. so, yeah. so, again, how would you kind of find barbering? So I uh, started cutting hair just only, you know, in, in the neighborhood. And then uh, went on to the military. Went. I was stationed in Japan. What branch were you in? I was in the Navy, U.S. Navy. Served in the U.S. Navy. Uh, I was a, my rate was the AZ, which was an administra- or aircraft administrative. It meant I was a paperwork pusher. But that is only after I worked on decks as an undesignated plane captain and got blew down on the plane, uh, the flight deck with 10 tie down chains on me. And I was like, no, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to die on this flight. deck." <laughs> so my rate was AZ. I found this skatish job I could find mm-hmm. where I could keep my dungarees clean and my boots shine uh-huh. and still get my flight deck pay. Um, how was it? Hold uh, on, hold on. Yeah, how, was, so, how was a kid from? And I don't even know if this even matters necessarily where you're from. But how did like a how did like a kid from Compton like the first time you got on a big carrier with those planes and stuff? What what did that feel like, bro? 
I got two stories. Yeah, yeah, go. Okay, I got two stories for that. Now, I hope I got. I hope I don't run over time. I got two stories. The first story being, they lied to me and told me there was a McDonald on the carry. <laughs> There's not. Apparently not. I still haven't found it. Okay, so the first day, I'm walking around the galley looking for the McDonald's. Yeah. Okay, that was the first thing. Second thing, and I kind of recanted this story the other day. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this. It was kind of feeling heartfelt about all the everything that's going on. And uh, I remember, you know, being from Compton had very, very negative connotations. When I left Compton, I left Compton in 98 because, again, the lifestyle I was leading was taking me on a path that, you know, things were happening that could have been very detrimental. Um, and I say that to say um, – I, I remember I would say when I was when I was living in the Bay Area, that's where I lived. They would ask me where I was from. And I would be like, um, L.A. They'd be like, what part? And I'd be like, um, Compton. But it would be like a five part <laughs> right. question. You know, you had to ask me like, you'd be like, well, what county do you live in? I'm like, uh, yeah, Los Angeles County. What well, city? L.A. And, oh, <laughs> yeah, because I knew that as soon as I especially living in the Bay you know, a lot of Crips went up to Oakland and beat them cats up ultimately. So, yeah, as soon as I came, oh, you from Compton, homie, I, I'm catching fage everywhere. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> man. I'm, just, I'm, I'm was already a problem down there. I'm just trying to get up here and get my head right. So um, back to the Navy story, I remember. So when you become a plane captain, which means is you, you've done these qualifications. Basically, I was a guy on the flight deck doing this. I was a guy on the flight deck, like directing, directing the planes, planes right? doing all that, you know, all that, you know, just basically game banging for aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> they knew I was from Compton, so they knew I knew how to speak with my hands real good. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I they got me up there, um, and one of the one of the accolades once you become a designated plane captain, they will take your name, your city, and your nick, your 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 rate your name and your uh your city and put it on the landing gear door of this plane so you know you get a picture you can send it home to mama you're like oh mama i'm on f-14 it it goes right underneath the captain and the commander the pilot and the co-pilot so you guys seen top gun before right so just imagine just having your name on a tomcat and you know it's beautiful. You feel, oh my God, I've made it. You know, this, it I like, feel great, right? It said Maverick and then DC, DC Conley. Basically, basically it said, it said what it said was because my nickname back then was Dub, short for Double Up. Okay, that, don't ask me. Oh, we're getting into that. <laughs> it's a whole other story. A whole other story. Um, but so they had Airman Donald Conley, Dub. Comp in California, but when they put dub, they put D U B periods in between each. Let me just say that plane never left the flight deck because they called me down to the what we call if you're a Navy guy, you know what they call the old man. The old man is the captain. They call me down to the captain's office now. Mind you, there is chain of command. There's a there's a first, there's a petty officer, there's a chief, there's a master chief, there's a senior chief, there's a master chief, there's a there's a whole chain took me down to the old man, the captain, who was 16 levels up higher than all these guys. <laughs> and he says, he says, Airman Conley, how dare you put gang terminology on my aircraft? What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You put, what does D-U-B stand for? <laughs> my nickname is short. You put Compton, California on my airplane. 
that plane will never leave the flight deck. What? They took it. They took it. They stripped it. I ne- I wasn't even able to take a picture. Uh, it was just crazy. And so, so I say that to say that's the second story that I was going to tell you. And it, I remember being not so much embarrassed, but angry. You know what I mean? Just like just of the off the fact that somebody could literally just had the power over me to tell me what it was instead of asking me what it really meant. Right. And so I think that has something to do with the fact that how I, um, you know, again, when I moved, how I maneuvered and how I delivered where I was from to a lot of people. Now, I mean, I, and, and going back to my mom a little bit, my mom has, again, been in the community forever, all my entire life. She became a part of the beautification committee. My mom, we call my mama mama cuz because she literally game bang on you. Like she has that Alzheimer's now, but uh, she's still rough. <laughs> you know what I'm she's, still, she's still something else, but she, you know, was uh, president of the uh, block club for a number of years. Um, again, part of the beautification committee, part of the, the dollar high senior community. And just, you know, she's, you know, kind of well known. And, uh, but it just, for me, it just it it it, it kind of reinstilled the fact that yeah, we can be prideful about where we're from, and just because you have somebody that's ignorant to the fact of one thing, you know, doesn't mean that you have to stick to it. And so, I guess that's kind of like what put me on my quest for me, um, you know, wanting to do more when I was quote unquote not necessarily forced, but when I made the choice to come back to take care of mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she been you know need, you just needed more help, and she just needed that twenty four hour situation now she's to the point where i'm fortunate enough unfortunate enough to be able to leave a little while and go back and check on her and make sure you know but because she doesn't do some of the stuff she, she her, her mobility is a little bit is a lot bit limited and uh so it's just kind of you know it's just kind of like a balance in that but uh you know i still i still enjoy every day that i can and we just you know but yeah, that that's that's that Navy story. Uh, <laughs> it took my bird down. Never, it never flew. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, welcome to Compton. So when you, <laughs> so when you, so when you got out of the Navy, then um, what was your path to uh, you know barbering full time? So I went, uh, I went to um, one of those like uh, ITT trade schools, mm-hmm. whatever. And I realized after going there for like two weeks that I knew more from my military experience that they was going to charge me the $39,000 to learn in a nine month course. Yeah. Something ridiculous like that. And then, so then I ended up getting i uh, I'm going to tell you another funny story about this. I ended up going to a job fair. I printed my, my resume on sky blue paper and crit blue ink. Okay. <laughs> and then, and went to his job fair, swear, <laughs> went to this job fair. And passed out my my flyer, my my, uh, my resume to several different companies, and was hired by City National Bank. I worked with City National Bank in the purchasing department as, as the purchasing department as an admin assistant. So basically, I was a secretary in the front. But it was again, I had power though. Right, I had power because if you're the if you're the administrative assistant in the purchasing department, you know you you get all the invoices. You, every all the vendors come in and talk to you first. I was the man. I, I, I love that job. But but they ended up going through an acquisition and doing some transitioning, and I uh, I just I felt that I wanted to do. Mind you, all this time I'm just keeping a buck while we while we on here. I don't like to lie about nothing. Just keep it a buck. Mind you, the whole time I'm working, I'm still hustling in my neighborhood. 
still do. So I got a nine to five, but I have to work. I'm still hustling and doing, you know, knucklehead stuff. And so uh, that's what ended up having me. So I ended up going to barber school because City National was doing his transition. However, again, I was still in another path. And to be perfectly honest, I just keep it a buck, man. I got into barbering because I, I thought it was a smart way to hide dope money. Right. That's the truth. I was ignorant to the fact. I had no clue. I had no idea that there was editorial work. I had no idea that there were platform artists. I had no idea that there were clipper companies that you could work for. I, had, I was ignorant to the fact. And so, you know, I was still hustling. I figured, shoot, I, you know, I cut ahead, I sell an eight. Cut ahead, sell an eight. <laughs> you know, and it's shit. I'm balling, you know, and what better way to hide your money? I was ignorant to the fact till I got myself, and this is what really ended up happening. I was running back and forth out of town doing stupid shit, and I got myself into a situation where I needed to leave town. And when I needed to leave town, it was, I got to Oakland, and one of my older cousins, he says, yo, so you cut hair? Like, you have a license? I said, yeah, I got a license. And I'm serious. I, here's another backstory to me getting my license. I literally would go back and forth to the county jail. I'm talking about like I've been in jail while I was in barber school a multitude of times. I'm not saying this to be braggadocious. I'm literally just trying to say the dedication that I had to it. I would call from jail and be like, yo, I'm not going to make it a couple of weeks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just let them know that, I mean, I'm not going anywhere. You know, and you could not tell them you were you were in jail. You couldn't say I couldn't say I'm in jail. Right. I had to literally be like, yo, because, you know, if you caught a felony, you know, you can't be a barber. So I'm just hoping that these felonies that I'm catching to go drop the misdemeanors. And, you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> I'm just, you know, but, hey, I won't be back, you know, but I will be back. <laughs> so um, but I ended up moving to the Bay Area. And then my cousin was literally he, he's like, yo, you, you're a barber. I said, yeah. He said, you had like a barber license? Uh, yeah. And this, that's when I realized that I could, I mean, again, I've worked even in LA before I left there because I was so unfocused. I probably had worked maybe four or five shops. Yeah, my mind wasn't right. I, the vibe wasn't for me right. correct. I'm going to just go ahead and get out. But when I moved to the Bay Area, my cousin said, yo, I could get you a job immediately. And I started working. You guys remember that TV show, Hanging with Mr. Cooper? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I started working at a barber shop in the Bay area that um, one of the actors from that show was not only a barber, but his mom was a barber and she had a shop. She took me in and I worked there first haircut in Oakland, California, the first haircut in Oakland, California. I'm in the shop. I've been waiting. I've, been, I've probably been at this shop maybe three days, no haircut, maybe two. And uh, is in the heart of the hood. Is, I mean, I went from Compton to right in the middle of, you might, may, may not know this this guy named Felix Mitchell back in the day. He was like the drug kingpin of this the, of Oakland back in the day. So to the, to the point that where they, when he did die, they, he had a gold casket and chariot that took him through the city of Oakland. Yeah, just Google Felix Mitchell. It's crazy. This, I'm, so I'm basically in their neighborhood and uh, I'm, I'm cutting in the first, First haircut I got, I'm sitting, I'm excited because the guy he comes in the shop kind of kind of hurriedly. He walks in, said, man, just give me an edge up. Sit him down, throw my drape on him. Get ready to get my clippers out. Next thing I know, Oakland PD walks in. They walk in, they don't say nothing. They just kind of like walk in. They, they overlooking the perimeter. They walk to the back of the shop. They come back out. 
snatch this son of a gun right out my chick. Get your ass out of here. We know it's you. I said, wait, can I get that? I, I did turn my clippers on. Can I at least get that five? <laughs> so needless to say, I, my, my first haircut in Oakland was a guy that ran out, but not by choice. <laughs> Got a runner. <laughs> yeah, he ran. He's a runner. Uh, yeah. All right. So DC, when did um I mean, I, I'm only assuming that you're not still hustling. So, what? Oh no! What happened in your life? I mean, but what happened in your life to where you could just kind of leave that behind, or, or like, you know, what happened, or who mentored you, or, or what's that story? Like, how you got out of the hustle? Well, man, you asking some hard questions, but this is going to probably be one of your either greatest interviews or the one that's going to kill your show. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably the latter. <laughs> Um, to be perfectly honest, I had my last business this is almost 15 years ago. Still, I wasn't hustling per se, but I, I had mentored some young guys in the art of hustling, mm -hmm. I would say. And they started doing really well. And uh, we ended up, somebody robbed us for $70,000. The barbershop? It was a clean robbery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the shop, but it wasn't the shop's money. It was the bank and somebody robbed the whole clan for $70,000. So that made inner turmoil. Um, and one night I'm riding and this wasn't the first night something like this happened, but one night I'm riding, I'm leaving actually a Kendrick Lamar concert in Oakland. And my, my wife at the time, my second wife at the time, my was driving my car. I'm in my, passenger seat and a friend of mine is in the back seat and for about a couple of days a lot of things have been going back and forth words are being said things are happening so we were all kind of like on high alert um but the car pulled up on the side of me and let off three rounds into my door and this doo, doo, doo. And i see it happening and uh nothing came through the door no one was hit and i just we had an awakening moment. It was like, okay, something's got to change. Because first of all, I, I, the guys that the situation happened, it was like, yeah, you know, I love these guys. And then when this bad incident happened to all of us, it just showed me again, once again, that money breaks friendships all the time, you know? And then if it breaks a friendship, it's not really a friend. It's just an acquaintance at the time. And you're doing business sometimes with, unsavory people that don't have the moral convictions as you and i went from being big homie to you know somebody that you would think that would steal from me and that almost caused you to take or want to take not only my life but those that are with me and so i i, I went on a defensive for a good while and you know things were handled in a different way uh but ultimately i had to look within myself and say yeah, this, this will can happen again and again and again and again. And how are you going to prepare for it next time? And so I literally just say, you know what? I mean, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I had by that time created a um, pseudo name for myself through educating in the area. And when I say pseudo name, it means that I put in the work to kind of make myself a somebody before somebody else gave me validation. 
So I would get out, I would go to the to the barber schools and different things of that nature, the cosmetology programs, and I volunteer my services as an educator. And I, you know, talk about what I thought was important in clipper cutting or just in life in general. But I still had that duality to where I was a knucklehead still. So it took me, I think that I won't say it was just that one incident, but I realized at that point it was, you know, I got I got I, at that point, I had a, a, a one daughter, and it was, you know, it just wasn't worth it. You know, like kind of the, not not over, not over no not over no not over no no little bit of change. Yeah, you know what I mean. And when you really think about it, you know, that was it. What is that? So, did I miss a part? I mean, this all happened in Oakland, so this wasn't in Compton. The, yeah, so I left in, I left Compton in nineteen ninety nine, right after my daughter was born. Uh, because again, I, I, I ran over that story. I was running in and out of town. I, I got hot in my neighborhood, meaning the police was, Mm -hmm. you know, interacting with me far more frequently than I had liked. And, uh, so, um, I had participated in an activity that made me need to eliminate myself from the equation <laughs> and so i chose well actually my mother i'll tell you my mother's a gangster my mother said you have burnt la out for everything you can at the moment you need to get out of here and she got me a one-way flight to oakland where where my dad originally was from my grandmother lived there my grandmother had the house up there and so i went and stayed with my grandmother in the house my dad was uh raised in that was short lived because she had her mental issues. When I, she was she, she was fifty years older than me at that time, I was twenty. She's like seventy five, living in the house by herself. So anyway, yeah, I moved to Oakland. Then I went from Oakland. I basically took a Bay Area uh, tour. Went from Oakland to uh, shoot. I went from all the way from Oakland to Sacramento. I ended up in Sacramento where I was uh, educating for Federico Beauty Institute. What maybe fifteen years later. And uh, 13 to 15 years later, and uh, that's where I got the call to say, you know, mommy's help me to come on back to that back to the city. And by that time, you know, my my, uh, my circumstances had changed a great deal. Uh, people that I wasn't necessarily in the best of graces with, they had either they had met their demise and did through different fates and whatnot. Um, and they, uh, yeah. So I was able to come back without having to look over my shoulder or, you know, or asking anybody to do anything more than needed to be done. So life goes on. And, uh, yeah. So what brought you back to, uh, to South Central, South Central, to Compton? That was, um, that was, uh, because your mom needed you? Yeah, my mom literally, because I had a pretty decent career in education in Federico. I was doing okay there. And also, I had uh, my, my shop was still doing pretty well. And, um, you know, everything was going pretty good. And so then uh, we, uh, you know, I got the call that mom was wandering, doing different things. She, they had taken her driver's license, so she couldn't drive. And that kind of was, you know, that was, that was detrimental for her. And, you know, just she liked being a very strong woman like those those things you know could kind of tear you down so she just needed she just needed the assistance and I, I i was glad to be able to do it and then that's part of my story as well because had it not been for barbering i mean you know a regular i won't call it a regular job but you know a job you know if i had a a job then i have to search 
you know, where can I gain employment? What right, can right, I do? Right. You know, with my barber's license, I tell students, you know, people aspiring to do this all the time that 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 barber license gives you wings to go ahead and, you know, and navigate your own path. You so you, I was able to come back and uh, yeah, it's like Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> I, was, I was able to come back and uh, kind of, I, to be perfectly honest, I, I I was in a I was in a huge depression for a while, like because uh, I you know, I felt like I had given up my career. My mom, again, being very strong minded and strong willed, she had she she didn't want the help. She actually told me for years she actually held or, or hid her hid her uh, illness from me, and I, but I knew she was struggling, but she she avoided the conversation with me mm-hmm. on a lot of different levels and so uh when i came back home i i mean the house was in disarray she had become a hoarder because that's part of the disease and just things were just kind of like so I, I literally i remember just coming home and just like sitting in my backyard and putting me a little area together where i could at least just kind of think and I, I actually had somebody there that was taking care of her uh, and I was paying them, so I was sleeping in my den and just kind of making that sacrifice, just doing different things of that nature to just make sure she was comfortable. But I had put my career on hold, and uh, which I'll do it all over again. Um, but yeah, and that's kind of like that's how that's what brought me back home is you know, is mom's you know, need for uh, you know, help and just just you know, just need that she just needed that help. And, and it, it and so, but, but a couple of great things happened. I wrote a children's book called "My Dad Is Just a Barber," because I was sitting in the backyard just thinking about how could I still be of value to the industry, how I could still be. Like uh, you know, I, I had all my friends were making these books about, um, like you know, gaining a million Instagram followers and whatnot, and I just I didn't have that type of draw. You know, so I say, you know, for me, it was more important to the world. Did you, know, you ever, publish, did you ever we, publish the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad it's is self published. Right. Yeah. Where, where, yeah. where can somebody, yeah. where can somebody meaning me find it? Oh, I love that. Definitely. You can find the Kindle on Amazon and uh, just when we get done, shoot me a DM and I'll go ahead and send it to you. See you guys a copy. And also, I also wrote from that point from my dad is just a barber. We also wrote the bullheaded bully, which is which is a spinoff for the of my dad is just a barber. Um, my dad is just a barber is basically the story of self reflection. Was a young guy, he's going into a barber shop. It's a career day. He goes into a barber shop. Well, it's a career day, and his uh, he, he, all his friends have you know dads do different things, and he feels like starts off him thinking, well, my dad is just a barber, and it kind of cultivates from that. Towards the end of the story, he realizes just how impactful his dad is. Now, my dad, uh, excuse me, my, the bullheaded bully was spinned off of that, off of one page in My Dad is Just a Barber, where it's a circle of young guys, and they're not bullying, but they're badgering. I mean, you know, bullying has different forms. Sure. So I took the uh, idea of, you know, the, the bully, the bully, bully, everybody, you know, bullying is, 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 is huge. But for me, I remember being young and being bullied and just being bothered and then, then becoming the aggressor. You know, and that's kind of like in a lot of cases what happens with bullies. And so that's how the bullheaded bully was born, because I didn't want to tell the story of, oh, what was me? I'm getting bullied. I wanted to tell the story of why is the bully bullying? And so that is kind of 
that is the story of how, you know, how he, they find out, you know, somebody, one person took the time to get to the bottom of his understanding with him. And then that's how the story begins to change. It takes one, one person. And uh, so that's, those are my two contributions. I believe I'm working on one more now. It's called Granny Keeps Forgetting. And that's more about the story of my grandma, excuse me, sorry, my grandmother, my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to tell the story because for so many different reasons. Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's close to me. Secondly, I'm writing it from a little girl's perspective and I've never been a girl. <laughs> um, so I don't know how. So I'm trying to, you know, invoke the emotion of a little girl, you know, right. you know, having this, this transition of her grandmother and whatnot. So, yeah. So and I wanted to not only be a children's, uh, not another children's novel, I wanted to actually be more of a resource guy because I've been able to get a lot of help through groups such as the USC Caregivers uh, Association and things like that to to give me some help and some some understanding on, you know, just you know, the, the terrible disease as well right. as, you know, self-care, being able to care for yourself. And that's which is very important. A lot of people do not and that don't even have knowledge of that. We just caregivers. We just care. We just go through the motions. But a lot of people don't realize that you literally have to take care of yourself. And if you don't, you can't take care of those, the one that needs to be you know, cared for. Yeah, this is awesome, dude. Like, like he goes from like, you know, just being a knucklehead, you know, just like, you know, just causing trouble to you know, coming back, helping his mom, writing books. How can he uh, impact other, you know, people in, through his stories and through his life? Uh, you know, and it's just, it's it's crazy how just you evolve. What 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 are some of the other things you're doing, or are are you doing other things in the community to 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 help? Oh well, so so yeah, thank you, Tony. Um, we um. Uh, here at my shop, Barbarism, the shop, we literally uh, been fortunate to uh, get really recognized pretty early for some of the stuff through, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, through some of the, the stuff that Schedulicity's helped me to, uh, you know, some of the promotion they've helped me to. Well, I mean, yeah, let's uh, get into that. So, so you were the first okay. barber to win like the five, the, the Schedulicity Cares $5,000, right? You're the first barber to do that? Yes. So they, uh, so what were I'm you doing? What were you doing to get on their radar as far as uh, to, to, to win that, that grant? Well, I, I met Schedulicity last year, uh, working with Barbershop Connect and it was just a great meeting. Uh, Jerry of Schedulicity and, um, and Lee of Barbershop Connect came together and between those two guys, they came up with this campaign schedulicity cares and lee being a, a, a an associate of mine he knew that i was opening the shop and he knew that i was taking a chance on opening the shop here in, in the city and he, and he asked me a couple of times like you know what's gonna be special and I'm, t- I'm running down the story like you know this is i'm putting it in the neighborhood for the neighborhood and this is the things i'm doing and <clears throat> excuse me um so then finally he says he he asked me he says are you um you plan on doing online booking? I said, of course. He said, you got somebody you're going with? I said, not necessarily. He said, why don't you check in the schedulicity? I said, done. Because I met Jerry. Mm-hmm. He seemed like a great guy. And I said, oh, yeah, done. I, I have no question. I'll, I'll, I'll rock with it. And then next thing I know, they announced this schedulicity cares camp campaign. And they tell, tell me the requirements. They said, we want you to do a video. And we want you to tell us what you would do with the rest of the, with, with 5K. So here's the funny thing about it. 
I had I I I, I received funding from a a, a a a venture capitalist friend of ex friend of mine. We'll just say, <laughs> and uh, but things happened. You know, things happened along the way, and the funding was cut. You know, it was just like it was just so it was myself and just the dream. We were literally at a standstill where my shop was right at that 85 percent mark of being completed. However, I wasn't able to do the, everything I wanted to do that made it unique. Right. OK, so and that being uniqueness was I wanted to give the, the, the kids of the community a place where they could come in and not only just feel comfortable, but they can also come in and get their hair cut. They could also come in and, and, and you know, just you know, just get some mentoring, you know, just whatever, do their, do their homework, do play. We have video games. Just, we just wanted, I wanted a comfortable space because I grew up, there was a place we had called the the Bridges Candy Store that was owned by one of my, one of my, well, actually the guy that designed my shirt here, one of, it, was, it was owned by his father back in the day. Now we didn't realize Mr. Bridges was uh, he had a candy store, but we didn't realize this was the bookie spot back in the day. That's, you know, that's back in the day. <laughs> We didn't realize he actually was the coolest guy. He literally made sure we weren't truant. We made, he made sure we would go to school, but he, you know, we was doing what he needed to do to survive at that time. Um, but he created a safe place for us beginning in, in the, in the, uh, the morning, in the afternoons, we could go to his place and be safe and know we were safe. Mm -hmm. I say all that to say that always resonated with me because Throughout the course of the years, a lot of the federal funding was pulled, a lot of the state funding was pulled, and people just did things that, uh, you know, misappropriated funds and different things. So now these programs are shut down. So for me, I was like, all right, let me just do my little part. Let me just do my little part. And if I could just create a little small spot so where they could come play Jenga or learn how to play chess, learn how to play Uno or play Uno, or there's Barbies for the little girls, there's books for, you know, the young men, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, the parents could come in. I would literally have to pull the little girls out of here. It's like, you know, you, you, when have you ever seen a barbershop where the, the, the people literally, the, the girls are more excited than the, the young men to come get their haircut? When have you seen that? Right. I've never seen that. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's a great feeling to go ahead and know that, they literally, they come here, they're excited about what we do. And uh, yeah, I just have a good time. So with Schedulicity gave me opportunity to make that dream come true. It's just a finite, make that dream come true. So, so what'd you do with the 5K? 5K. Bought a gaming system. I should show you guys. We can go out there and show you. Bought a gaming system. We got an Xbox One here. Huge TV for the kids. Furnished off an area that's just... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm out of the shop. Furnished off of air, and I'm looking at it right now, that the kids love. Mm -hmm. uh, and we still we still got a little bit to do. But like I said, literally they walk in and the place just feels like you, you have to tear the kids away from here. You literally have to tear the kids away from here. Uh, whether it's, I had a young man coming the other day saying, um, he says, uh, Grandpa, he came over to his grandpa. He said, Grandpa, you getting your hair cut? He says, no, son, just, we, we just getting your hair cut. He said, oh, man. I say, why Why you say, I've, I've never heard that. What do you mean? Oh, man, he said, I want to play the Xbox. 
<laughs> it's like, when have you ever heard a kid say, yo, I want to hang out at the barbershop? They really, they're so ready to just get out of the, out of the barber's chair and not only get out of the chair, get out the environment, whether it's to go back home and play their video games or whether it's to go home and run up and down the street. They don't want to be confined to a barbershop. Right. And then again, like I say, the young ladies are even, they're even funnier because we provide Barbies. We got the little teacup set for them and they come in and then they, they literally just, they, 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 they you, you, have, you have to tear them away. You have to tear them away. Like they, they'll, they'll sit there and they'll, they, they want to play. They want to hang out. Do, um, do you ever just give them like doll heads? Like the barbering doll heads? Not yet. That's a great idea. Yeah, dude. Don't give him. Hey, don't give No, 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 no. You don't want to give him that one. That thing looks creepy, man. You don't yeah, look. You know, I keep. I, 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 I keep him here at night. Because <laughs> <laughs> he looks so creepy. He kind of looks like yeah, you. I keep him here. Hey, hey, hey. yeah, Corey. Hey. Corey, he looks like you with baby. <laughs> so Donald showing us a. With, with some just for men on, I keep Corey here, man. With, <laughs> Donald Trump is a with mannequin with a with a beard and like a, a, a half of a haircut done. <laughs> we got a, we got a, we got we got Corey with a with a fifty five black by just for men on it right here. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. So that's awesome. So um, so I saw it on TV. So Jerry actually came to the hood to uh, to give you your check. So let me tell you how good that Jerry and Lee. So Lee, now, you know, I don't know if you guys know a little bit about Lee's background for Barbershop Connect, but he's been involved with production and he's even sold like music with Nipsey Hussle to Nipsey Hussle hey, back man. in his early days. And he's, he's been around. So I wasn't so surprised that Lee comes to the hood. Now, it was shocking because just to be perfectly honest, I didn't think I had won. They, they kept it for me. Okay, so. I'm on this campaign. I'm 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 putting up the video. The video's done. We put the video up. Uh, I'm getting great feedback. And my daughter actually, who's in multimedia, she's like, "Yo, you won, you won." I'm like, "Yo, nobody said I won, so I don't count my chicks before I had." And then, so I literally, I'm that type of person that I don't. I I just went from all right. Well, if it's not me that wins, I just hope somebody that does win, whoever does win, just, you know, does good by, or deserves, right. it does good by what they say, just deserves. So I had just succeeded to the fact like, yeah, whatever, you know. I, and so they, they got me pretty good. They really got mm -hmm. me. So if you see the news coverage, you see me crying like a little, little strange guy. And um, <laughs> because they got me, they, they told me, like, yo, we need you to film a video for BarberCon. I was like, all right, cool. Nope, no deal. I, I mean, I work with BarberCon. So I was like, all right, that's fine. It didn't seem out of the ordinary. Right. And so so the camera guy comes down. You know, we worked together before. I'm sitting there and I'm doing my thing. And and, and he's they, he's asking me these questions. He's like, now the questions are becoming redundant. Like, we've already asked this question. Like, what do you – I didn't realize that he was stretching it out because Lee and Jerry were both on their way. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting, I'm sitting here and I'm like, um, just watching this camera and I'm answering these questions and I'm just kind of like just paying attention to them all. And I look outside my window, I got a huge window and I'm looking outside the window and I'm like, is that Lee? <laughs> 
And, who's, and he comes in like, hey, how's everybody doing? I'm like, and who's the little and I, I literally had just got off the phone with him. Let me let me right. re, let me reiterate that I had just he had just called me. Said, yo, what are you doing? I'm like, yo, I'm sitting up here with, with your man videotaping. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, man, okay, all right, man, have a good day. I'm like, that was weird. Okay. Yeah. And next thing I know, here he comes. And I'm like, wow. And then five seconds later, here's Jerry with this big 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 cardboard. Yes. Yes. Here comes Jerry. Where I, I keep it close. Can't get rid of that. Gotta have that close. <laughs> <laughs> Donald's searching around for his five thousand dollars. It's here somewhere. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah right. It, it, it's the one I couldn't spend, the one I couldn't put in the bank. So it, it, it's it's here. It's here somewhere. It's here. My my guy. So he's so he walked in with like a big piece of cardboard, and at that moment, was it like, oh, I got it? I cried. I tell you, I cried. I broke down crying. It was just like. What what was that about? I, like like why do you think you cried? Was it well? No judgment. I'm again, just to, how'd you feel? Nah, man, I, just, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care if you judge me crying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. I'm judging. Oh, um, proud. Thought about you know it's like part of the mission. I won't say it was completed. Mm-hmm. You know, Corey, you're a military guy. You know, it's kind of like you know that you got you got past that drill. Right. You know, and now it's like, okay, now I could expedite and do what I really want to do for the community that I love. And uh and then I just I just again, like I said, I had my prayer was still hope some whoever gets it, I hope they deserve it. Right. And so when it came back to me, it was like, Well, I guess you deserved it, you know, even though I in, in the most humble of manners, it just was like, Wow. Because my prayer, I, another, another story, see, I'm getting teared up thinking about it, so I got to tell a funny story. So I remember mm-hmm. when my twins were on, on we're getting ready to be, I have twins now, the eight-month-old twins, right? And so I remember the shock of it. I remember I'm with the church one, one Sunday, right? And this is like before, just right when I just heard that they were, you know, we were having twin or having a child, didn't know it was twins at the time. Um, I go to church my old childhood church and they, they, they know me all my life. As a matter of fact, my, at this church, we had a, a huge gang fight. Two story facts. Mm-hmm. So, but, but so that was when I left the church. Okay. So anyway, going back to, this is years later, I'm sitting there and I'm up in the balcony and the guy that's preaching is one of my childhood friends. He sees me like makes that eye contact with me at church. Like you need prayer bring your ass down here so i got up got up went downstairs and i'm praying because i've got all this stuff going on i'm like i say i remember saying lord let your will be done now i'm not an advocate for anything pro or anti i just you know this is what i'm not proud to say this is what i had gone through we had had other i thought i wanted to do something else glad the mother fought me on it and we she stood tall we got two beautiful boys now i say all that to say i was like yeah lord let your will be done let your will be done i said this i'm, I'm saying this in church right that's all that's all the prayer i'm saying right and that's what i was taught to say so i get up we get to go get the first ultrasound and they like uh yeah um it ain't one it's two and i'm like Lord, he wasn't supposed to let that will. <laughs> that wasn't the will. That wasn't that will, man. <laughs> uh, 
but so going back to the money, like, you know, when so when they did finally come and say X, Y, Z, you know, and hand me this check, it I I again I I prayed that whoever got it earned it and deserved it and would do what they said they did, you know, what could do. So I um I also I put a I got a shoe shining boot too. And people are like, well, why do you get a shoe shining boot? And what does that have to do with the kids? Well, I have a 13-year-old right out there right now who goes by the name of Amir. Amir is my shoe tech. Oh, he does, he shines shoes, he cleans shoes. He's not doing anything right now. He's going to get fired today. <laughs> I fire him like I fire him like every day, at least twice a day. Like uh, Kenny yeah. from South Park, right? Doesn't he die in every episode? <laughs> every episode. He's my Kenny. From South Park. <laughs> Amir dies every day. Go find a job, kid. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, but you know, people are, well, why, you know, I buy a shoe shine booth. Well, that gave me an opportunity to go ahead and give him because I could have got an older guy, right? You know, somebody that's seasoned. But the fact that I have a 13 year old that lives right down the street that goes to Coppin High School that you know that's here in the community, it, it's I think it's it's kind of indicative of the culture that I want to create here. And you know, again, like we we you know we put we put the toys, we put the I have video games, nothing. None, Nothing violent, you know. We got the sport games. We got maybe one motorcycle game, um, but nothing that's gonna. And I, I even bought the old school PlayStation. So we got Grand Theft Auto on there. That you all you see is bam and poof. You don't see no cursing. It does nothing. So yeah, oh yeah, you can play all day, but you're not gonna. It's, it's not gonna be what you think. So right. you know, it, it, and and it's funny because it has the old wire consoles on it, so they really hate that. But they but they end up playing it. It, it intrigues them. They end up playing the old stuff and be like, oh, this is cool. Right. So, yeah. That's funny. How do you keep your uh, How do you keep your knuckleheaded barbers off the uh, video games and keep it open for the kids to play? Well, you know, fortunately, I have uh, an older guy, uh, Keenan, that doesn't really play video games. Deshaun doesn't really play video games, apparently, because he's sitting out there right now on his phone. Um, <laughs> I haven't had that issue. Now, the issue is having my homeboys that come through here and get them off the games. <laughs> I, I just very kindly tell them to get the fuck off the game. <laughs> <laughs> very kindly. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man that's i mean i'm I'm really blown away right so you you know all these kids are coming in that don't want to leave they're going to reminisce think back like man you know what i mean dc has really had an impact in my life he's really you know what i mean he he had a safe place for us to go to to get away or do whatever i mean that's that's it's it's like it's difference makers right yeah like 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 he's able to 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 create this environment in the uh in his neighborhood you know and then to be just someone to look up to because as a difference maker and and and, and, you know it's just the the, like like he said the reason he did this was because there was a difference maker in his life right so now he's kind of repaying that difference maker by doing that i i also like i i can't get past that there's something because his mom was so much about the that community that that he also not only has pride but almost maybe almost a responsibility to keep, keep his mom's um to keep his mom i don't know if it's will or keep her her dreams no. or goals or something you know moving forward absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely i agree hundred percent absolutely that's incredible dude i i i, I want to go out to comp and just suck a hang hang oh man come on listen you know listen so it's funny because you know we 
it's a bit, it's, it's a huge surge of positivity, not just on, on, from me. And I just think that I was just blessed and I have grace enough to just be able to kind of like interweave myself into the situation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like they have, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the TV show, Black Ink, uh, uh, um, that comes on VH1. Well, they're getting ready to start filming. They're doing a Black Ink Compton. Now, we know I'm not a huge reality show guy, but it's, and then in those type of shows, they typically focus on negativity and irresponsibility. However, it, it, it's going to also show community. Man, you know, and I, and I'm fortunate enough to work with some, you know, I, I work with Snoop and I'm around Snoop pretty often. And I listen to some of the stuff that he does in a philanthropical sense. And and I just it just encourages me to do more. I just I was invited yesterday to do a, a vet stand down. I love doing those. I love doing the stand. You, you familiar with the stand downs? No, 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 no. So, so the vet stand downs, uh, basically what they'll do is it's typically like three days. And um, what they'll do is they provide hygiene, food, um, sometimes even jobs go out. Uh, they usually have sea bags and all kinds. So just look look for veteran stand downs, like maybe in your area. Yeah. And they, they typically they, they do them often. And we just got. Uh, we just got word that we're going to do one in September. So I'll take all my guys out. I'm always with the men's groomer. I know you guys know the men's groomer, yeah, Jason. Yeah, yeah. When he, anything that he does or has going, I like to go ahead and volunteer and like to just go out and hang out with him and just, and just do different stuff. Right. You know, just because. Who's that? Isn't there, there's that, there's that, um, there's the men's groomer there in LA. And then there's that woman that I just watched a video on and she's doing like, a, she's doing some. Saints of Steel. What's her name? Saints of Steel is the name of the organization. Maybe. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't know her name off the top of my head. But yeah, the Saints of Steel. They, they, uh, they do. They do stuff too. I've never been able to really catch up with them. Jason has always been pretty. Uh, I, I saw Jason's story on our local news out here, mm -hmm. and Jason's story. If you guys haven't, the men's groomer. He's a. He's an interesting guy to speak with as well. We, we, we reached out to him. We just couldn't make it. We just couldn't make it happen. So definitely put in a good word for us if you talk to him. I got you. That, that's, that's absolutely, that's absolutely. He just uh, created a new shop and uh, yeah, he's a decent guy. I think, I think I, I like his story because he, he was on the opposite side of, he was on the side of the abuse side. He was mm -hmm. actually, you know, abusing himself, you know, you know, and, you know, using, you know, and had him a story that he bounced back from the dark side. You know, I, 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 I always said, you know, growing up is like people think that the drug users are just addicted to the drugs, but I think, the cats that sell dope and you know and, and and get money that way we often get addicted to the lifestyle and and then the, the power and you know things of that nature so it's just as, as equally addictive so i think we have two sides of a, a same side the same coin mm -hmm. that uh that I, I love to go around him and kind of you know and, and whenever i do those events i told him yesterday I just, the guy came and asked me to do it i said yo if I'm coming out there, man, I'm not gonna. You can rest assured, I'm cutting more heads than everybody. <laughs> and they, they laugh at me because they think I'm playing. I'm like, yo, I, I I feel like whenever I go to those events, it's my duty not only to. And I tell my barbers like, this is your opportunity to get better, faster, to get you know to to, to not only you're not in the shop per se, so you don't have the responsibility of being that 
you know, that critical of your cuts. But however, you still want to give a great haircut. You still want to give a great service, but it's your opportunity as well to get better in your craft, streamline, whatever it is that you want to do. So for me, I go out there and I push myself. I try to cut. I mean, I used to work at Travis Air Force Base and I, I've cut 60 heads in one day. Mm. So I, I, I don't have a problem like standing and just passing out on my, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm at my shop seven days. I'm at my shop seven days a week. I cut, we, we're here from seven to seven to make it real easy, you know? And so I'm here opening, I'm here closing, I'm here running back and forth like my mom's. I, I just, I, I don't, to, to stand still for me is like, is, is my mother just put me in the casket. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand still. Well, brother, we ain't putting you in the casket, but yeah. I, I mean, yeah. for the entire industry, DC, I mean, just, just thank you for what you're doing and, and, and for the kids and man, man, you're up to some amazing stuff, dude. And I'm just like, I'm in all of you. I got to be honest, DC. I mean, totally. when I, when I first met you up in Brooklyn um, a couple of months ago, I just, I, I knew that we had to get you on. Um, I, I just, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, Thank you. I, I'm honored you to have your time. We appreciate you, man. Appreciate you guys. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak with you guys. I had a great time. Yep. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Mr. Donald. I'm going to try to do more, Tony. I'm going to try to do bigger and try to do more, Tony. Thanks, so you, did you think you were going to get another answer? Right. That, yeah. you know? <laughs> Mr. Donald Conley, thank you very, very much for joining us on Your Day Off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>